BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. From the Sci-Fi Wire headquarters at 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York City, it is January 5th, and this is episode 57 of Who Won the Week, a podcast dedicated to the top stories from the week in geek. I'm Aaron Sagers, editor-at-large of Sci-Fi Wire, and unfortunately, our editor-in-chief, Adam Swiderski, is out this week. However, you are not going to be cheated, my friends and fans, because we are, as always, joined by my colleague, my cohort... Wait, what? Oh, Danny Roth, contributing editor at SciFiWire.com, or am I the beast? I'm not actually the beast, Aaron. I'm definitely just Danny. Or am I? And I'm just Danny. Hey, you know, Danny, this is a this is a bit of a uh, this is just a duo, a dynamic duo kind of podcast because it's just going to be the the two of us. So uh, I just think it's an opportunity. You know, like this is you know usually a three way, but I feel that we can be much more attentive to one another's needs. It's a much more it's a much more amorous podcast pairing. I feel this way. <laughs> This is already going off the tracks, and this is good. But a mere like thirty seconds into the podcast, uh, you know, we are now five days into twenty seventeen. So uh, I think it is worth doing a little bit of touch base and just finding out how you doing. What 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 are you what are you into this week? What is winning your week? Is there anything winning your week? Uh, there's plenty of stuff. Um, I want to give a weird shout out. My uh, my friends Ryan and Trish just had a baby, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the name, and then you you give me your your honest gut reaction because you're the right age for it. They named their son Atreyu. <laughs> That's right. That's the right response. I mean, what's her name? Trisha and what? Ryan. Trisha and Ryan. Uh, so if I was Jon Stewart, I would do like a, a little bit of an aside to the camera right now. Yeah. And I would say, uh, you know, uh, Trisha and Ryan, like, come here, just, just join me for a second. Yeah. Show me a camera too. Show me a camera yeah, too. Yeah. 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 Um, we get it. You're nerds. <laughs> uh, you guys really like never ending story. That's cool. Me too. All about, uh, the nothing. All about, uh, you know, luck dragons. That's great. That's great. But you have basically just cursed your child. Uh, your child is never going to be picked for kickball uh, <laughs> or perhaps picked last. Uh, and and I, I've just heard this name. I don't even know all the puns that can be made. It's, re- it's really weird. So the, they've tried to they tried to sidestep it with me. They, they said, uh, well, you know, we'll call him Trey. And I said, that's great. But at the beginning of every school year, when he gets a new teacher, they have to read out his full name. So it's not as though no one's going to know. People are going to know. And I tried. I tried. I gave it what I thought was a great argument, other than the really obvious, don't do this because don't do this. 
Uh, but uh, I said, you know, that actor is a 9-11 truther. Do you want your child to grow up and ask the question, uh, can jet fuel really melt steel beams? I don't think you do. That was my that was my my salvo to try and prevent it, but um, it didn't work. So that kid is a Treyu, and so either uh, he is going to hate his parents or he is going to think that his parents really hate him. Probably a bit of both, but it was something. So that's the thing that happened in my week. And then also last night I saw uh, I saw Split, the new M Night Shyamalan joint. Uh, that features uh, James McAvoy and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, who uh, we talked a little bit about her movie from last year that was your, like, pick for the year, The Witch. Right, which, uh, which... Which? You, you, you were a little bit cooler on. I was. I think she was great in it, so I was very excited to meet her. And she is a, she is a gas. We're going to have a, a, an interview come out with her, um... Hopefully in a couple of days. I don't know how close to the movie we want to save it up until, but we're going to talk to her then, and then hopefully I'll get a chance to talk to Knight and her again. Uh, once the movie comes out, there is a there is of course it's a it's an M Night joint, so there is uh, a a thing, a twist, and uh, it got an audible response from me in the theaters. What kind of response that was, I will not say, but it has far-reaching implications. Well, we talked a little bit about this before the podcast began as far as like whether or not I even wanted you to tell me about what that twist was. And this, I think, speaks to the enduring power of M. Night Shyamalan that even though he's had some movies that I have not loved, I still really enjoy him as a filmmaker and still want to be surprised by the the twist the 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 Shyamalan twist so I did not want to know you you fully offered I did not want to know what the twist was I definitely did not offer I cer- certainly I would not have done that because if if somebody would listen to this podcast and had heard that I'd offered to tell you that would be bad um but so I definitely didn't tell you that I'll deny that Donald Trump well, style record, that never you- that never happened I never I never said it um, anyway, uh, it's, it's, it is, it is something else. Uh, I, for my part, M. Night, uh, is somebody that I think started very strong. I think I'm like the average person, right? Which is that I love, uh, I love Sixth Sense. I re- I personally really love Unbreakable. And then everything sort of went a little downhill for me after that. And, uh, I felt like The Visit was a really huge return to form. And I think that this is his new thing where he'll have a, uh, like a, a bigger idea, especially split is like big idea, but very small set pieces, you know, uh, which I think really works well for him and his particular style of storycraft. So it's an interesting movie. I think that um, if people like the visit, especially and if they liked some of his older films, certainly, certainly I would say give split a shot because James McAvoy is a national treasure or an international treasure, I guess. Uh, and, uh, and also I think Anya Taylor-Joy is, is headed for greatness. She's really is just a tremendous, tremendous talent. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I hope so. I think, she, I think she was really great in the witch, but, um, with Shyamalan, like that is a, that's a guy that, well, first off, I really enjoyed Wayward Pines, uh, the first season. I, yeah, I have first to season was interesting. I, yeah. I haven't, I haven't really caught up on the second season, but let me ask you. Colleague to colleague, mm-hmm. I did a 
Q and A uh, on stage with uh, M Night Shyamalan, and it's tricky because there's a lot of things you want to talk about, and there's a lot of things that you probably shouldn't talk about as far as maybe not you know upsetting upsetting like you know the the waters. But the biggest issue that I had is whether to call him M Night or just Knight. He goes by Knight, and he you know like but but still. M. Night Shyamalan, it's weird just calling, you know, there's those people that we know that start uh, referring to actors, directors, celebrities by their first name, and it starts sounding very pretentious. Yeah, I always feel like the lean-in on that is, um, you know, you introduce yourself. I mean, it doesn't always work, obviously, but I try to try to get my name out right at the jump and see if they'll refer to themselves in a, in a certain way so that I know, um, but... Everybody around him seems to refer to him solely as Knight, and uh, and Anya uh, Taylor Joy referred to him as Knight in the interview. In every interview I've ever seen anybody talking about him, they referred to him as Knight. And so I, f- I feel I feel like I would be pretty confident. I feel like there are a lot of other things that I would be very nervous to talk with him about. Let's say I, I did call him Knight, uh... and now you're a ghost. You were a ghost the whole time. I, I am, yes. I'm basically Bruce Willis. This is the big twist of who won the week. I've been dead this whole time. I'm a ghost host. Wow. Way better than ghost dad. Ghost host, it rhymes. Instantly better than anything else. Ghost dad just is, it was a problematic movie when it came out. And it was one of those movies that even at a young age, I realized was a bad movie and then you find out, like, it just adds layers and layers. Then you find out that, like, Sidney Poitier, like, this amazing thespian, directed it. And then there's the whole rapey stuff connected to Bill Cosby later on. It just doesn't have much of a good legacy behind it. No, but now that makes me want to watch it again more than ever. I love we when something really has a truly a ha- heinous, heinous legacy. Then I, I feel I must watch it. I need to watch it. I think... Um, I think that uh, maybe we should for a podcast. Okay, there you go. We'll do a podcast where we we watch movies with with offensively bad legacies. <laughs> uh, yeah, bank that. Nobody out there that's there you go. To this, don't, don't nobody. Share this. Yes, nobody's ever done that before. I don't know. Bad legacy is kind of anyway. That's a whole other topic. Why don't you tell me, uh, Aaron, what what has been winning your week? I will tell you. I will tell you. Well, indeed. thank you. Um, thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, well. You asked. You asked nicely. Um, you know, I've actually I've been on a big kick with the DC Rebirth, DC Universe Rebirth comics, and um, I think that their Superman titles, specifically Superman by Peter Tomasi, has been a very strong title, and I've been enjoying that. And issue fourteen dropped this week, which starts off a new arc. And I like a good Superman book. And Superman is a bit of a tricky character as far as he is very godlike. He's he's sometimes hard for writers to wrap their minds around. And I think that Tomasi has done a nice job with it. And coupled with the Supergirl being super title that is coming out by writer, and I apologize in advance for perhaps mispronouncing her name, uh, Mariko Tamaki with uh, art by Joelle Jones. Just a really enjoyable 
Supergirl book, and this is book one. This is the the first kind of installment from this one. And I think that I mentioned this in my my 2016 wrap up. I think DC has done a really strong job about bringing their brand back, having really strong titles, really fun titles that are and and that word fun, fun issues, fun comic books while not being afraid to explore some some bigger content, I think they've really owned it with the the rebirth and with the the way they've been handling things. Have you been a fan because I know I mean you're a you're a comic I, I read a little bit of it uh, I really I think I had sort of gotten in the mentality that I wanted to let a trade or two come out so that I could binge it but uh yeah, it seemed immediately evident to me that I mean look. Uh, the new 52 was fraught with problems right from the jump. I remember I was working in a comic book store at the time when it started, uh, and it just was a nightmare. It was a nightmare for us to deal with. Uh, everybody coming into the store was mad, especially people that are addicted to buying comic books because comic books can be a real addiction. And um, people were still habitually buying books that they were just like in, in deep, deep hate with. And uh, I don't think that that's what's happening anymore. I see uh, when I go back to the comic book store that I used to work at, Forbidden Planet, and visit my friends and maybe buy some books, uh, people are much more excited about this new line now. It's really – it's been pretty famously uh, a huge improvement. Yeah, and, and speaking of those collected volumes, remind me when uh, we see each other next. I'll bring you some of these because I've I've got a couple of the – uh, collected volumes that you might want to check out. Uh, and, and it's just like nice starter packs. And I think a lot of them are rolling out on the market in the mainstream market this month. So anyone that's like, uh, you know, I don't know if I want to completely commit to this. These, these collected versions, the volume ones are worth picking up. And I think they're pretty low price points, like $15, $20, easy enough to, to pick up and see whether or not you're you're into what Rebirth is all about. But yeah, you remind me, Danny. I'll, I'll drop some off for you. Nice. So uh, beyond that, let's talk a little bit about some news that's, that's happening out there in the world of nerd, some of the big headlines. The first thing I think is it merits a, a mention is some comments by Ridley Scott, which you turned me on to. You pointed this out to me before I even saw it in the news. Do you want to talk about this? Uh, well, the, the gist of it is that he said that he had been approached to do superhero movies and he didn't want to do them because, quote, there are no stories in them, end quote. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that was basically the gist. He didn't want to do it because he just thought that like the stories were either a ridiculous or b non-existent, which is cray cray in the bray bray. Some I mean sometimes, in my opinion, uh, sometimes superhero movies are a little generic. Maybe like maybe we see uh, the similar the Tony Stark narrative and the and the Doctor Strange narrative and the Ant Man narrative are all kind of similar. Smart alecky guys with powers and there's consequences. Even Spider Man's got a little bit of that, you know. Um, I think sometimes you see similar stories, but those are still stories. What did you think? How did you feel about his remarks? You know, I my my reaction was on some level I I can understand and agree. But then you start thinking about it and 
I think there's some great directors out there that could really make hay with a superhero movie, especially, you know, especially if they had the ability to mold the story. You know, we, we heard years ago that George Miller was supposed to do a Justice League movie. I think he would have done a very fascinating Justice League movie. But beyond that, what if you put, I don't know, David Cronenberg on a movie, on a superhero movie? That would be balls-to-the-wall insanity and compelling. You would have to watch. You would have to see what he could do it. What about David Lynch? What about, um, uh, you know, John Carpenter could direct... Some amazing superhero movies. Um, so I think to immediately dismiss these movies as having no story, in a way, it, it kind of undercuts your ability as a director. And it undercuts your, your vision as a director that you can't see something bigger in, in these stories. I was, I was a little surprised by it. Um... For a couple reasons, because he also said that he felt that the superhero branding that was coming out and the way that it was dominating would ruin his ability to make films at all and or make good films. And I and I thought, Ridley Scott, sir, I love Blade Runner. I love Alien. These are two of my favorite, favorite movies. Prometheus was not a good movie. <laughs> You're good. You are great. I ain't saying you're a bad dude. I'm not going to get up in your business, but, but please, please make another really great movie sometime in, in the now. Um, cause if you're saying that the reason that you can't do that is because of superhero movies, I do not believe you. Um, it's just a little surprising and I do it. I, it found me thinking about his skills and I thought, well, what, you know, what characters could he tackle? Cause I think he could be really good good at it it actually you know you were naming all these hypotheticals but i think of obviously because i just saw split but unbreakable when when superhero movies were a bit of a novelty uh i think for my money one of the best superhero movies a totally original one too that i have ever seen um unbreakable is just i mean second to none i sometimes wonder if it's gotten lost in the in the zeitgeist because i don't hear it get talked about constantly but it's just it's tremendous. I think anytime you are watching a Marvel or a DC thing and feel disenfranchised like it's same, same or whatever it is that people feel when they get sort of tired of superhero movies, I'm like, go back and rewatch something like Unbreakable and remember just how interesting those movies can be. I agree. I mean, I, I think Unbreakable was so far ahead of its time that so far ahead of its time that we don't even think about it as a mainstream anymore. And it, if it came out now, it would probably be lauded as a perfect deconstruction of the superhero genre, which it was when it came out. But yeah, but it's even it's, it, it, got, it, it really in this way now that that superheroes have become the uh, the almost the standard um, movie that comes out as part of the big summer blockbuster. It really it, it, it has aged very well. Yeah, I think. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's surprising. I'm like Ridley Scott, man. Come on, you know. Um, I, I'm trying to think what, what he could do, like what, what weird book. Cause I don't know if I'd want to give him a, like a Marvel or a DC kind of thing, but you know, maybe something from like a vertigo line or an image book, something that is a little weird, a little off the beaten path, um, that might well, and it, serve him well. It really well. just shows that 
unfortunately, it's a persisting misconception amongst some about what, I mean, we say superheroes, but we also, I think, sort of mean comic books about what the genre can do and the stories that it can, that can be told through that medium. Yeah, give him like a Doom Patrol or something or like give him something totally original. Just don't tell him that Grant Morrison wrote it. Like, don't you think a Ridley Scott directed Grant Morrison screenplay would be next level bizarre? I don't know if it would be good, but I'd have to see it. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there's so many titles out there. I was thinking about some of the Dark Horse titles uh, because they tend to go a little bit darker and are willing to play with some bizarre uh, themes or... I don't know. You could even, I mean, you could delve into some of the Image Comics catalog and find some cool stuff there, like a um, uh, uh, the the guys from Spawn, um, the cops whose name now elude me. Um, I kind of wonder if if Ridley Scott could take that one on. But yeah, I mean, I think that it really talks to the power of the storyteller that you can craft an interesting story if if you have the imagination. Um, so I, I, I found it a bit unfortunate that he said that. Yeah, I was just, I was just a little surprised by it. Uh, it just came across a little, a little tone deaf and made me go, boy, I hope Alien Covenant's going to be okay. Gosh, can, yeah. I hope that movie's going to be all right. What's going on, Mr. Also, M- Mr. Scott? Like, yeah, Mr. Scott, remember, you've turned out some stinkers in your time. Like, you've done some really great work, but let's not like trash an entire uh, genre of stories. Yeah. They're not all Thelma and Louise champ. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking Robin Hood, but sure, sure. Uh, uh, I get very serious about my Thelma and Louise, man. Take that very, that's some serious business flying off the cliff every time. Yeah. Every time, every time. time. Anyway, what else, what else is going on in the, in the old news or ye new news? I don't think this podcast is flying off the cliff right now because uh, the next thing <laughs> we're going to talk about is uh, the Rogue One reshoots. And I and this is pretty relevant. This is news that broke earlier this week, I think actually just yesterday on January 4, about, you know, we, we've been talking about for months the reshoots that Rogue One Star Wars, a Star Wars story underwent. And more and more news is coming out about it. Mads Mikkelsen talked about it. Uh, Obviously, we saw in the trailers that there was a lot of stuff in the trailers that did not end up in the final version of the movie. And um, now there's a lot of reports about the story being entirely different. What are some of the things that you've heard about that is not what we saw on screen. Well, it's interesting because they're a bit nonspecific. It's basically a lot of the beginning was different. They developed some of the characters a little bit more, and then a lot of the end, a lot of the moving pieces were very different. That is what I really remember as a takeaway. Here's what's, here is what is interesting to me. As more and more and more information comes out about this film and just the glut of reshoots and changes that were made, the movie has been out. You have had time to think about it. You know how you now have this information to digest. Aaron, do you still have the same fond feelings for Rogue One that you did upon first seeing it? <laughs> Get real. Okay. Be, be real now. Be honest. Yeah. Um, 
I still enjoy it as a standalone movie. However, after a bit of the luster has worn off from the initial viewing and more time has passed, yes, I see more flaws with it. I still enjoy it as a standalone Star Wars movie, and there is still a lot for me to like about it, but certainly there are flaws. I We are not in the same room, but I am grinning maniacally. I just already, it's nice for me, because I feel as though uh, with such a short period of time, um, the proof is already coming out that uh, my opinion that the movie is not all that is right. Because opinions can be right or wrong, at Aaron and mine is right. Um, but I, um, it's funny. I got into a tiff. I'm going to totally blow up Adam's spot on Facebook because I posted a, a video called something like "The Top Ten Bad Reasons That You Liked Rogue One," and I, it was like 20 minutes, 25 minutes long. I watched the whole thing. I thought it was one of the smartest videos I've seen in a long time. It was just this woman staring at a camera, talking for 25 minutes straight making 10 really great points about why the things people liked are not actually that good. And Adam said that it was, quote, lame. <laughs> and I laughed and laughed and laughed and said, ha, 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 all of my dreams are coming true. He's, he was so happy, and now his happiness is being taken away. Not true. I just, <laughs> it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see, and I'm curious how people's opinions are going to, change and also it's a little gratifying when people start to say yeah i guess that some of the flaws that you said were true and i'm like ha, 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 ha. you know i really want to flash forward to like 30 years <laughs> when you when when danny roth is like a lex luther level villain and i don't mean like i don't mean like donald trump level lex luther but more like gene hackman gleefully maniacal curly haired Lex Luthor level of evil. I it'll think def- that it'll this definitely is be future. a wig by then. It's a sort of amazing that it isn't already. But, but yeah, yes, I stand by that. There's a real possibility. You're not the first person to posit the possibility that I am a, a, a supervillain of some kind. Um, but that's fine. I'm. I, I'll take it. I take it. I wear it as a as a badge of honor. I do many nice things for people, but deep down, I am an egregiously evil human being. I delight in the pain of others. Especially when, can, especially when my opinion is 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 justified and it hurts people. I just I don't know why. I guess this is why I'm a critic. Some people are a critic for good, not I. I am a critic for pure evil. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I can say I knew you when. I yes, knew you when. yes. Someday, someday you you'll think, wow, did all of these nice podcasts we had together? Is that the reason my back is not already up against the wall? No, it's the beard that I really appreciate. I l- just love the luster and quality and upkeep of the beard, Aaron, and that's why. And that well, is, and that is why you yet live. That's particularly troubling since I just trimmed down the beard. But I know. I saw, I saw that on Instagram. That, I, I don't know if the podcast is, is the place for it, but I, 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 I'm not going to say that I spent a really long time thinking about that picture that you posted, but I thought, it'll, I mean, it'll grow back out quick enough. That was it. That was what I thought. <laughs> well, Hair grows. my hope is at least if, um, you know, if things go really bad, I'll just load up on the carbs and I could end up being like the Otis to your to your Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor. There you so, go. Uh, I like this already. <laughs> Except for the losing my hair part and also uh, the Superman 4 part. Let's just pretend that, that that's not going to happen. I yeah. definitely want to stick to like Superman, Superman 2, Donner Cut. Total tangent, but... 
there are some great articles out there about the guy that played Nuclear Man in Superman 4 and and just the cinematic uh, uh, like devastation of <laughs> Superman 4 and how that came to be, which has been well recorded. But the interviews with the guy that played Nuclear Man in particular are really fascinating, especially when you consider that when that movie came out, John Cryer, who was a bit of a John Hughes uh, darling, you know, yeah. uh, was in that movie. Back on track, as far as the Rogue One reshoots, what I found fascinating about some of the news that was coming out was it sounds like this movie could have been way worse. The jumps in time, I don't know, you hear about reshoots all the time, and this seems like a great example of one that actually perhaps improved the movie because there was uh, jumps in time from Jen Ursio to meeting directly with the rebels or the rebel alliance uh, and not even having any kind of in-between time of her reflections about her time with her father or being imprisoned. Uh, there were perhaps less character buildup from uh, Bodhi the, the character Bodhi Rook, who was played by Riz Ahmed. There was less interaction with um, Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna, with um, sort of him as a spy. And I know a criticism of yours was that there was not a lot of character development. It seemed like there was going to be even less. Maybe. It's it's sort of hard to say, right? I, I, I The thing is that when you ask them about the end of the movie, that was what was the most telling to me, right? Like, I agree, I agree. Maybe some of that stuff was 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 a better change, although for me it still feels weirdly uneven, some character inconsistencies for me. Uh, I think especially uh, the Diego Luna stuff where, you know, at the very beginning of the movie he has that scene where he kills that dude just straight out, and then there's nothing like that again in the rest of the movie, really. It just, it's just, it's a little, it's a little weird for me, but what I think is super telling is that they said, there were a lot of changes to the end, just a lot of them. And when they asked the the person who was, what, in the editing room, what were the changes? And that person pleaded the fifth, was like, I am not going to say. Because I think that there were a lot of them. I stand by the idea that I don't, I mean, the, the, the contracts sort of back up this idea, too, that uh, Jen Erso did not die in the original cut, that she somehow survived because there was this idea that she might come back later. And I have mixed feelings about that, but I it's just it was really weird. Anyway, we're going to we're going to end up tracking back a little far. The point is um I feel as though the seams are really starting to show on that movie already and it's only been out a little while. And while I'm sure that it's great that everyone's happy about how that movie had a female lead and it's making a ton of money and yada 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 and that swell I feel good about the fact that I said that I felt that it seemed was, seems were showing and that it was an uneven film, and now everything that's coming out about it is background people saying, yeah, we changed a lot. It gets a little uneven. We we changed more than perhaps we, we should have, and some of the changes were just really, really extreme. And this makes me feel like I'm right. I just like feeling right, Aaron. That's really what it boils down to. A lot of talk for Dan's got an ego problem. Well, yeah, I mean, I I haven't really brought this up until now, but the title of the podcast is Who Won the Week? And the subtitle is Danny. 
Yeah. Danny won the week because he, he's right. right. I'm always right. No, not true. But I do kind of feel like maybe I was right about this one. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I'd be very curious to hear why the reason I asked you this question is also uh, leading to the listeners, the kids at home. Uh, how do they feel? If you liked it, do you still like it? Are the seams starting to show for you with all this news that's coming out? Or do you not care? Do you feel the changes were all good and all justified in the end? Did the ends justify the means? We'll see about Rogue One and, and just how that plays out. I will say that what's interesting is when I talk to people that are not in the industry, that do not have anything to do with this from a work perspective, they really like this movie. They are telling me, I was just talking to a gentleman earlier today, in fact, who said he had not heard one negative review from his friends. So at the end of the day, I mean, I guess that's maybe what matters is, you know, what the what the box office is reflecting. You know, maybe that's a, sometimes it's a poor metric, but it's also the metric that, Disney or any studio is going to listen to is what's really making the most money. Well, it closed so, out twenty. It's closed out twenty sixteen domestically at number two, and had it come out a couple of weeks earlier, it most certainly would have been number one. I think. Yeah. But it was just yeah. it was just behind Finding Dory. So basically, Disney wiped the floor with everybody else. Well, that's crazy in of itself because Disney, as a entity, also was part of the whole Marvel universe. So I think that that's going to be a, a situation we're going to be seeing for. A long time to come. Disney owning everything. But beyond that, I'm curious about other things that are sort of piquing your interest for 2017. I know um, Adam, who was absent this week, he's less of a horror guy. And I am curious to hear what sort of, uh, like, what, what what's kind of like wetting your appetite within the horror genre for 2017? Uh, I mean, there are a couple things that are interesting adjacent. It's really, it's sort of hard. I haven't, I haven't had a lot of like huge, huge things jump out at me, but um, I'm certainly interested to see what's going to happen with it. Because, yeah. you know, the miniseries was not good, but I was the right age for it to scare the hell out of me. So I'm very curious about that. Uh, Insidious Chapter 4 is coming out. Insidious Chapter 3 was okay. But, you know, I I find those movies are usually entertaining. Alien Covenant is a big deal. I know that's not just horror. That's like horror sci-fi. But, you know, it would be cool to see uh, more of a focus on the horror if it was a re- return to form to, like, the first Alien. I would be super into that. These are things. These are things that I that I think about. Um, I'm very curious to see how bad Rings is going to be. That's the other thing about horror is that you want to know how bad a movie is going to be. There's a January movie coming out called The Bye Bye Man that sa- that sounds and er- it's already got like some of the worst press I've ever heard. And I need, I desperately need to see how bad it is, which is mean. But again, Lex Luthor. So, but you know why? You know why I want ba- Bye Bye Man to do well is. Um... This is just a, a product of like getting to know people in the in the industry or in the world. Because I mean, let's face it, even on bad movies, there's a lot of good people that work on these movies that want them to do well. Sure. And I fully agree. Bye, my man looks bad. Yeah, it, it looks yeah. like it's going to be a bad movie. But um, Doug Jones is in it. I know. <laughs> I know. 
And Doug Jones is just such a great person, a great human being. And we know him from the Guillermo del Toro movies. We know him from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We know him from so many, like, uh, creature actor spots that I wanted to do well because he's so great. But it looks like a terrible movie. I know. Well, this is also how I, I mean, maybe this is going to end up being okay, but um, this is how I feel about Annabelle too because Miranda Odo's in it and I love her. Uh, and the first Annabelle was not that great, although I personally found some things to enjoy about it. So I don't know. I have no idea. Annabelle too. I was like, what? It's, it's the, it's more of an origin story. How did they, how did the doll come into creation? And Miranda Odo is there, you know, I mean, that doll is no man. So, or is it? It's not, it's a, it's a doll, but, uh, and also a lady doll. So, um, I'm still, that's, that's my, um, I don't care if it's bad. I'm going to see it because I have some investment because I like some people involved in it, let's say. So that's one, that's another one of those movies that sort of has snuck into my heart. How about you? Do you have anything, uh, anything else that I have not named that you're thinking about? I think it, it is an interesting selection because, I'm going to show up and see how this thing looks when supposedly there is um, Stephen King's support with it. Mm. Uh, but I have not been impressed by the um, images that have come out of this movie. So I'm curious about that. I think the Alien Covenant trailer was intriguing, but it still didn't kind of really strike my fancy. I'm curious about... uh, Here's a weird one. I am curious about The Mummy starring Tom Cruise. But is that... Okay, so I am also curious about that. However, is that a horror movie? Well, is Kong Island or Skull Island a horror movie? That's that's tough to say. It's the same it's the same situation where I am not really I am I don't know how to feel about it yet because again these are both things that feel a little heavy on the action. They're more like aliens, let's say. And is is aliens a horror movie? This is you know I got this is this is a I put out that article uh yesterday. It went out I think where I did the list of all the best restorations of the year and I said best sci-fi and horror and some of the comments I'm not going to say anything bad about the comments, but the comments were, this is all horror. None of this is really sci-fi. And I said, well, wait a minute. You know, uh, is John Carpenter's The Thing just a horror movie? Because there's sci-fi elements to it. Uh, and a lot of the movies on that list had elements of both. So it's sort of, that's a that's a weird cross-pollination thing that happens. A lot of sci-fi movies also have, you know, thriller and maybe horror elements and tons of horror movies have lots of sci-fi elements. So it's hard to yeah, say. Yeah, but you know, I I don't argue with the thing. I think the thing is a horror movie with sci-fi elements, but it's still a horror movie. Whereas I look at The Mummy, I look at um, Skull Island, and maybe even Alien Covenant, and view that as an adventure movie with some sci-fi and with some horror elements or with some fantasy elements to it. Um, but primarily 
especially with uh, Skull Island and The Mummy, primarily adventure movies, action movies, and franchise building, franchise establishing movies. Um, and yeah, you could say the same thing about a lot of horror movies, but these are big franchise establishing movies. And in a way, it kind of takes it out of the horror realm. Yeah, this is sort of a trick, right? I yeah, I think horror especially, I mean, there are great franchises, but I am usually more interested in the new stuff. So, oh, you know what I completely forgot about was um, Get Out. The um the the movie that's written and directed by uh, Jordan Peele of Key and Peele fame, yeah, that one looks really uh, potentially interesting to me. I mean, that could you know that could be a flop too, but um, every time I see the trailer for it, and it's a, at the front of a lot of horror movies, or at least it had been for a while, um, I thought this is very interesting. This idea of this young um, this young black guy going to this this very white area with his white girlfriend and. Because considering the state of the world, um, you know, in the real world, that can be a horror movie. So I think it naturally sort of sets itself up to be a, a very tense narrative. So I'm very interested. That's that's a big one for me. A big one that I'm looking at that could be either great or terrible is the Belko experiment by James Gunn. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I wanted I was trying to get to see a screening of that uh, and I couldn't I couldn't make it happen. But um, Ken. Hanley, who we are both buddies with from Fango, was really stoked about that. Uh, I, I can't even speculate on how it's going to do, but I want it to do well, but I see a lot of potential for it not doing well. Yeah, I haven't quite figured out what's going to be the the 27, 2017 uh, Taste Du Jour independent horror movie, art house horror, because we've had one every year for a little while now, you know. I feel like, you know, you look, it's like Baba Duke. it follows. This year it was The Witch. I forget if there was really a, a big one before then, but uh, it's become a thing, right, that there is a big movie that's horror that everybody talks about for a couple months. So I'm curious as to what, if any, of these is going to be that. And yet we have a lot of these return to 90s, horror coming out like these 90 franchises like there's a new saw coming out there's um not 90s but children of the corn is supposedly coming out runaway i think it's called in 2017 there's a new chucky coming out 80s that carried over and in the, into the 90s jeepers creepers hellraiser um uh and then digging a little bit further back suspiria a new wrong turn movie coming out. Yeah. See, this is, but this is, you know, none of these really strike me as being something that people are going to say, wow. I just don't know what that really says about what we're doing this decade, uh, this decade, this year. Decade. What's wrong with me? Anyway, I, yeah, I'm not really sure about 2017 so far. There are a couple maybe contenders, but a lot of that stuff you named is all the stuff that I don't generally get into. In horror movies, those are like super not up my street at all. It doesn't mean they're bad. They're just, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that says about what we're doing this year in the genre. I'm a little, I feel a little at sea. I haven't gotten a, a feel yet for what's going on. I'm just going to go ahead and say, I think this is the return in 90s. I think that between, you know, Resident Evil, Underworld, granted movies that came out in the early 2000s, this is almost like a return to previous decades. I guess I just, you know, the 90s is is maybe one of my all-time least favorite decades for horror. 
And, you know, so I don't, I mean, maybe they'll find a way to take some of those ideas and give them an interesting spin, but man, that was not, so are we going to get another species movie while we're at it? You know, I mean, I just, it was a lot of self-referential stuff. I know that I, there was an article that came out. I can't remember who wrote it, um, defending nineties horror movies and, I read it and I think somebody, whoever was in there defended like Scream 3 and I nearly leapt out of my skin because I'd never heard such a thing. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. It's it's really, I know that people are starting to, to turn the page on it and find the good things about 90s horror, but maybe this is just like an old man yells a cloud moment. But, you know, I just, ugh, it's, I hate that decade. Not just because I was in high school during it, but but also because it was not great for horror movies to me. Well, this might also be a a bit of a transitional year where people are figuring out what horror and specifically what this year and what this oncoming, like, uh, next four years, next ten years is going to look like. Um, Horror always, as you know, reflects the times and reflects the zeitgeist right so um this may be a bit of a buffer year and then 2018 could be the year where we really start figuring out where we are as a culture and where we are as far as what's concerning us um you know we spoke to margie kerr uh the the fear sociologist back in october and we'll probably have to revisit that conversation with her because I think that as the year goes on, and especially as eight, 2018 comes up, we're going to get a more of a, uh, a definitive sense of like what scares us in these new times. I agree. I do think that 2017 will probably be a little bit of a buffer year because you can't really – you can get stuff into production, but it's not going to get produced and then come out. But there right. is certainly an increased amount of anxiety. Whatever people thought their anxiety was a couple months ago. It has already been way amped up. So uh, I do think it'll be interesting what 2018 shows, but 2017 might just be some some sort of schlocky fun. Uh, I'm always more excited to see what old movies get restored. Um, so we'll see. We're going to be hopefully doing some kind of thing, maybe through Facebook uh, every month to sort of give people an idea of what the re-releases are going to be and which ones are going to be. Something that folks might get into, uh, I can't think, I had I had it written down a list at home, but um, there's some cool ones coming out this month. Um, I just watched, um, did you ever see um, Phenomena when you were younger? It's an old Dario Argento movie. It's uh, Jennifer Connelly's first ever leading role before she did Labyrinth. Yeah, I did. Oh, man. I had never seen it before. I th- It's really weird. Like, it's not a, a phenomenal movie. But it's a phenomena movie. You get it? It's good though. It's really it's boy. Yep. Yep. But it's good. It's really I would I would urge people to see it. It's actually on uh Amazon Instant uh for free streaming right now. And it's it's the it's the full, it's the longest cut of it, which I was really surprised that it was there, but um totally, totally worth a viewing. And I think some more Dario Argento stuff is coming out this year and all manner of schlocky stuff is coming out. Um, and, uh, oh, you know, it's, do you remember the House movies? Oh, yeah, of course. House uh, 1 and 2 are coming out in North America, and uh, all of them are going to be coming out in the U.K. 
uh, as part of a set. I might actually just finally break down and get a region-free Blu-ray player because I want to watch all of them so, so, so badly. And there's just a ton of them. It's going to be another year like that. So I think uh, I am more excited for the re-releases so far in 2017 based on what I've seen of what's coming versus what's coming out in theaters. Yeah, well, the House franchise... We'll see how that that revival and restoration goes. The first one, good, and then a bit of a d- diminishing returns. You better Once watch you your mouth your- with your talk about House to the second story. First of all, that's a brilliant title. It's not a good movie, but it's funny. That movie is really funny, and I love the weird creature effects. I love the makeup stuff. I love I love that the first house has Norm, and the second house has Cliff. Yeah. I was just going to say exactly that, that George Wendt was in the first house and the second house had a John Ratzenberger. Had John Ratzenberger. Plus, uh, if I recall, like um, Fred Decker was uh, behind one of the, the creatives behind House 2. And he is also uh, behind the Monster Squad and written by Shane Black and uh, Robocop. So, um, yeah, so uh, Fred Decker... I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, so, listen, maybe uh, you just haven't seen House 2 in a while, and maybe if you watch it again, you will say, wow, Danny, once again, you were right about House 2, the second story. You know, we directed <laughs> a episode of um, of uh, Star Trek Enterprise, right? Oh, wait, which one, which one was him? Remind me. Uh, I'm trying to f- I'm trying to remember which episode, but I because I should because Decker... I, I I did know this, and now of course my brain has gone blank as to which was the one that he did. I forget offhand, but I know that Decker did a uh, Enterprise episode. Yep, as you know, uh, that's an- just another thing that everybody else is wrong about it, except for me and people that agree with me that Enterprise but again. Is who won the week? <laughs> Colon. Danny Roth. That's right. Uh, that's right. I think we'll figure out in other ways that Danny Roth is right. Uh, yes, let's do or it. Or is about to be right in 2017. Indeed. How about some resolutions? Some things that you plan on doing in 2017 moving forward. I mean, we're only five days into the new year, so you still have time to make a resolution. What is it going to be? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write more fiction stuff. More, uh, I'm going to try and write some comic stuff this year, maybe even some horror comic stuff. I actually, I didn't even talk about it because it snuck up on me. I had forgotten that I'd done it, but I, I wrote a, a thing in, in, in a Zenoscope uh, Grimm's holiday issue for the horror series that they do, and it came out at the end of last year. And I had very, let's say, mixed feelings about the quality of the work that I put in, but uh, when I finally sat down and very nervously read my work I thought that the artist had done a really good job of elevating it and it was actually not bad you know I don't know if I'd say it was great but it was it was entertaining and uh it made me think well maybe 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 I shouldn't be a team player because I'm not one maybe I should just pay somebody I'll just write something and find an artist and say just draw this please and then I'll just I'll 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 print it up and and put some staples in and and hand it to folks at at comic book stores locally and put it out in the world. But that's one thing that I would really like to do in 2017 is, is finally, um, instead of just being a, a critic that tells everybody that they're wrong all the time, make some garbage of my own. I think, 
I would share that to some degree. I mean, I you know, they say that every critic, every movie critic is a failed screenwriter. Well, I don't really count myself as a critic, but I would say that there's certainly some stories in me that I would like to finally wrap up on the page and get out there, even just for my own satisfaction, not necessarily to put out in the world, um, but just for my own satisfaction. But beyond that, uh, I would like to read some more new science fiction, like to find out like what's really obscure out there and give that a read. And overall, I think personally, I just want to combat a negativity out in the world. I, I, I want to be more of a source of optimism and uh, be a positive voice within the fan culture because it's so easy to give into the negativity and give into the ugliness and the hate um, that instead of tearing down things that are maybe not so great, I want to elevate things that are great and celebrate things. You're wrong, Aaron. It's true. It's, you, it's, you're uh, wrong. As, no, no. I, that's, that's, a, that's a good sentiment. I, I'm glad that there are a lot of people that do that because it's just not in me. <laughs> I occasionally, it's not always easy. Occasionally, occasionally. No, it's not. It, you have to force yourself. I do it sometimes. Uh, I just would never make a resolution to do it more. I think if I manage to do it once or twice in a year where I say really positive things, I pat myself on the back and go, it's a miracle. I'm the most negative person on earth. I can't believe I said anything nice at all. But you should definitely be nice all the time. Get on the nice list with Santa Claus this year, Aaron Sagers. I am trying. I, I mean, like, I am seriously trying. Sometimes it requires a Herculean effort not to give in to my darker nature and just, like, tear things apart online or tear people apart online who I feel uh, are not necessarily having the best interests in mind. But, but I am trying. I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm sort of like Jules or Samuel L. Jackson at the end of Pulp Fiction. You know, like, uh, I'm trying, Ringo. I am, I'm trying <laughs> to be good. So, um, that is my mission. And hopefully trying to be good will not create an ulcer. It will, but that's all right. There's medication for that. Okay, well, there you go. You'll be good. So we want to... This has been a uh, the Danny and Aaron episode. Um, (laughs) Again, subtitled, Danny is apparently right. Uh, (laughs) And um, Adam will come back next week and and prove us all wrong. Uh, But in the meanwhile, we want to know what is winning your week? What are you guys into? What do you think about the Rogue One reshoots? What do you think about Ridley Scott saying there are no good stories in superheroes? What do you think about that? And what are your 2017 nerdy New Year resolutions? We want to hear what those are. And in the meanwhile, you should head to SciFiWire.com. Check out all of our amazing content. Check out our video content. And also visit us online at Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, all across the social media channels, and say hi. We love hearing from you guys. 
And Danny, where can people find you and find out how right you are? Well, Aaron, I'm so glad that you asked. Uh, my name is Danny Roth. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, being right at Danny Ordinary. That's Danny with one N, Ordinary also with one N. And you can find me, maybe a little less right, but still typically pretty entertaining. You can find me on Twitter, at Aaron Sagers, on Instagram, at Aaron Sagers. And wherever we find you, we hope you find us next week for another episode of Who Won the Week. Thanks so much for listening.